Do you love a good story? If you do, check out Stories of Your and Yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and each week on Stories of Your and Yours, I narrate a classic short story, adding music and sound effects to bring those stories new life. The back catalog features stories by the likes of Edgar Allan Poe, Kurt Vonnegut, Rudyard Kipling, Mark Twain, Ray Bradbury, and many more. And in addition to classic short stories, I feature original stories by you, the listener. So if you do love a good story, give stories of your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, a listen today. And visit the show at SYY Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to submit your own stories, requests for classic short stories, or just to say hi. That's stories of your and yours, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's time, time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I am Rob, and I'm joined tonight by the goose to my maverick, Alan. How are you, Alan? Doing great, Rob. I'm, I'm looking for new podcast hosts. Is, <laughs> is Silk Road still a thing? Do they, do they accept applications? Uh, no, I think uh, we're going to have to go directly to... Is MySpace still around? I have Ripple Coins. <laughs> Interrupted Tales, available exclusively on Friendster. <laughs> Friendster? Hey, who's that, Rob? I hear a... We have a very special episode tonight, Alan, as we are also joined by our very first guest. He's the host of the excellent Stories of Your and Yours podcast, and he sold more albums worldwide than the Beatles and Elvis Presley combined. <laughs> it's Sean Ennis. Sean, how are you? I am tremendous. Thank you for asking, and thank you for having me. That theme song just gets my blood flowing every time. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, we're, we're very excited to have your golden voice uh, read our tale, if you will uh, agree to allow both of us to interrupt you. Well, I was told that this would be the uh, non-interrupted portion of the program, but I'll, I'll agree to it, I suppose. I'm sorry. I didn't get that. Could you say <laughs> that again? <laughs> Never mind. Alan, this is the last time we have a guest. Just make a note. This has nothing to do with you, Sean. <laughs> nothing to do with you. No more Sean. Everybody else okay. Yeah, everyone else is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. okay. Right. Hold on. I just want to I want to try something here, Rob. I want to yes. try something here, Rob. Is it is it working? Is it working? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think it would. <laughs> Well, excellent. I, I also want to make one quick note to those who may be regular listeners of Stories of Your and Yours and not our podcast. There will very occasionally be some explicit language here or there, just in case you have delicate sensibilities. This week, we have a tale of the byways and the highways from the May to October issue of the Illuminated Magazine, all the way back from the year MDCCCLXIII, and I was hoping somebody could translate that for me. I think uh, that was when the Cowboys lost to the Patriots. <laughs> that was a good one. Wait, no, the Patriots won. Never mind. So that's what, 1853? 43? 63? It's as good a number as any. Very old story. It's called The Last Stage Coachman. 
and it's by W. Wilkie Collins, a uh, hanger-on of uh, some note to uh, a more famous author. Alan, what do you know about uh, Mr. Collins? Uh, he was one of Dickens' friends. He wrote The Moonstone, which I've read. It's sort of considered one of the first modern detective stories in that it uh, deals with a real-life murder mystery. If anybody's read the book, The Suspicions of Mr. Witcher, or seen the BBC production of that as a television show, uh, hmm. that's, that is the real-life murder mystery and detective that the Moonstone was based off of. Has it been discussed on Real Housewives of Atlanta? Good question. Let's ask Sean. <laughs> I think that was in their book club episode. Excellent. Okay, then I should, I'll have to check my DVR because I've got all of them on there and I just didn't, must have forgotten that. He also wrote, I think, The Woman in White, which yes. I believe is a Christaberg song <laughs> about... It was a sequel song. About remembering what his wife was wearing earlier in the evening. <laughs> yeah. Honey, I... Uh, no, I know it was red. No, I'm just saying... <laughs> In the light, in the in the beautiful light, could it, you could have mistaken it for a waitress. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and now, it's time to pour yourself your favorite drink and curl up on your favorite chair while Sean reads you this week's tale. The Last Stagecoachman. It falls upon the ear of everyone but a shareholder in railways with a boding, melancholy sound. In spite of our natural reverence for the wonders of science, our hearts grow heavy at the thought of never again beholding the sweet-smelling nosegay, the unimpeachable top boots, and fair white breeches, once so prominent as the uniform of the fraternity. All right, uh, <clears throat> I had a real joke here, but first of all, Sean, you have no idea how great it is to work with a true professional. Wait a minute. Wait oh, a minute. that was two sentences in a row. <laughs> I can't promise continued success in that, hey, in listen, that vein, but I will, I will do what I can. <laughs> anytime you want to Joan Rivers to Jay Leno over here, you know what I'm saying. Wait a minute. <laughs> This is about me, isn't it? No, no, no. Sean, and also that was a it was a beautiful sentiment. The nose gaze, the top boots, it's uh, just like autonomous cars and how our hearts grow heavy at the thought of how our Lyft driver dressed in their uniform of jeans and a hoodie will never again offer us lukewarm bottled water or unsolicited advice on where to buy the best weed. But isn't it legal here, we wonder aloud? Yes, but the Lyft driver knows their strains very well, and they don't want us getting ripped off. All salute the Lyft driver. <laughs> With all our respect for the expeditious and business-like traveling, we experience a feeling nearly akin to disgust at being marshaled to our places by a bell and a fellow with a badge on his shoulder, instead of hearing the cheery summons, Now then, gentlemen! and being regaled by a short and instructive conversation with a ruddy-faced personage in a dustless olive-green coat and a prismatic belcher handkerchief. Oh, oh, coachman! I'm ready for your short and instructive conversation. 
Uh, get in. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, coachman. It's doing my job. <laughs> what did we want with smoke? Had we not the coachman's cigar if we were desirous of observing its shapes and appearances? Who would be so unreasonable as to languish for steam when he could inhale it on a cool autumnal morning, naturally concocted from the backs of four blood horses? Yes, Mr. Collins, this is Douglas Gerald, editor of Illuminated Magazine here. I see you've submitted a story called The Last Stage Coachman, a tale of the men who groom and whip horses until their backs are steaming. And I'm just wondering if we could shorten the title a little bit. <laughs> just doesn't quite fit in the margins the way we'd like it so to. So keep the whipping and get rid of the steaming. Got it. No, no. Well, uh, to be continued, uh, Mr. Collins. Who, alas, we may propose questions and find out answers to the end of the chapter, and yet fail in reforming the perverted taste of the present generation. We know that the attempt is useless, and we give up in sorrowful and philosophic resignation, and proceed, undaunted by the probable sneers of railway directors, to the recital of a vision. Methought I walked forth one autumn evening to observe the arrival of a stagecoach. I wandered on, yet nothing of the kind met my eye. I tried many an old public road. They were now grass-grown and miry, or desecrated by the abominable presence of a station. I wended my way towards a famous roadside inn. It was desolate and silent, or in other words, to let. Fifty pence. <laughs> yeah, I thought Rob would like that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they actually have a king of the road, technically. Do they? Oh. Or queen. Oh, the it's... king. Yep. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> I'm a man of means. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I very nice. the wrong story. <laughs> Damn. Even I know he does jokes. I got to worry now. <laughs> yeah. I looked for the commercial room. Not a pot of beer adorned the moldering tables, and not a pipe lay scattered over the wild and beautiful seclusions of its once numerous boxes. It was deserted and useless. The voice of the traveller rung no longer round its walls, and the merry horn of the guard startled no more the sleepy few who once congregated round its hospitable door. The jet's no longer working correctly in the Champagne Tower Suite, so you can use it, but it's uh, kind of like being in a tepid baby pool that's very high off the ground, and oh, uh, thank you for staying with us in the Poconos. <laughs> the chill fireplace and broad antiquated mantelpiece presented but one bill. The starting time of an adjacent railroad, surmounted by a representation of those engines of destruction and dull, frowsy lithograph. I turned to the yard. Where was the ostler with his unbraced breeches and his upturned shirt sleeves? Where was the stable boy with his wisp of straw and his sieve of oats? Where were the coquettish mares and the tall blood horses? Mr. Collins, Douglas Gerald again. Now, I know in our last conversation I didn't specifically advise against sexualizing the horses, but I thought maybe the implication was clear. It, it seems it isn't, what with the coquettish mares and all. I, I understand, I understand. So you want slightly less sexy horses. All right, done, <laughs> done. Where was the manger and the stable door? All gone, all disappeared. The buildings dilapidated and tottering, of what use is a stable to a stoker? The ostler and the stable boy had passed away. What fellowship have either with the boiler? The inn-yard was no more. The very dunghill in its farthest corner was choked by dust and old bricks, 
and the cock, the pride <clears throat> of the country <clears throat> round. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> we 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 feeling left out? <laughs> yes, I hadn't said anything in quite a while. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know what? I also have to clear my throat. <clears throat> and I'm also taking a sip of lemon water. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I um I pay for many of the services that, that uh, host this site and run this site. Out. I just <laughs> want to let you know, you know, I I never never asked for anything, you know. Now you're just wasting you. Sean's time, Rob. <laughs> Yes, but do you have access to the Silk Road? <laughs> no, that's where he gets me. That's where he got me. <laughs> you need an onion browser. That's where you start. <laughs> I feel like now we're on a list somewhere. Yeah, oh, we're on lists. And off many more. <laughs> and the cock, the pride of the country round, clamored no longer on the ruined and unsightly wall. I thought it was possible that he had satisfied long since the cravings of a railway committee, and I sat down on a ruined water tub to give way to the melancholy reflections called up by the sight before me. I know not how long I meditated. There was no officious waiter to ask me what I would please to order. And I should inform you we offer stew in a large communal pot as our single item. Uh, could I hear the chef's specials then? Of course. The chef says the stew is very special. Yeah, I'll have this do. Oh, yes, sir. And uh, how would you like that prepared? Uh, how does the chef recommend it? Uh, medium stewish. <laughs> okay, I'll take that then. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, sir. No chambermaid to simper out this way, sir. Not even a stray cat to... No, I, hey, I'm sorry. Could I get some lemon in my stew water? <laughs> would that be too much to ask? No substitutions. <laughs> oh, sorry. No chambermaid to simper out, this way, sir, not even a stray cat to claim acquaintance with the calves of my legs, or a horse's hoof to tread upon my toe. Uh, Douglas Gerald again, please note I've substituted the words hoof and toe for the less palatable ones you used. <laughs> for the best. <laughs> there was nothing to disturb my miserable reverie, and I anathematized railways without distinction or exception. Damnable a cellar, cloaked in the dark clouds of coughing soot, and an incoherent quiet car policy that is often scoffed at, but rarely enforced. Uh, yeah, so you think I should do the PowerPoint presentation with them? Or... Yeah, no. Uh, no, okay, that's okay. I'll do the bit by myself. Nobody has to interrupt me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Floor recounting I, of how they I, would like me not to be that loud in the I quiet have car. noise canceling headphones on. Are you talking to me or are you on the phone? <laughs> okay. The distant sound of slow and stealthy footsteps at last attracted my attention. I looked to the far end of the yard. Heavens above, a strange coachman was pacing its worn and weedy pavement. There was no mistaking him. He wore the low-crowned, broad-brimmed, whitey-brown, well-brushed hat. Clint Eastwood. Well, <laughs> were you going by how well-brushed his hat was? Is that the distinguishing characteristic? The man what? knew how to wear a hat. That's all okay, I'm saying. All right, sure. The whitey-brownness always gives it away, too. <laughs> well, whitey-brownness. Hey. <laughs> the voluminous checked neckcloth, the ample skirted coat, the striped waistcoat, the white cords, and last, not least... The immortal boots. But alas, the calf that once filled them out had disappeared. They clanked heavily on the pavement, instead of creaking tightly and noisily wherever he went. 
Ah, uh, Sean, uh, sorry. I know, unlike your show, we don't we don't really have the budget for effects. Could you uh, could you maybe give us a taste of a calfless boot? Yes, I'd like to hear that too. Mm, I feel like I'm still hearing some calf in there, Sean. Yeah, I'm getting. I want about fifty uh, percent less calf. Yeah, it's one I got to work on. It's not in the database currently, so I gotta. I gotta. I'm, I'll, I'll workshop it. We need it to be decaffeinated. You know, Sean, I've been thinking about uh, branching out, maybe doing a uh, little side project. Uh, I'll DM you later. Sounds good. His waistcoat, evidently once filled almost to bursting, hung in loose, uncomfortable folds about his emaciated waist. Large wrinkles marred the former beauty of the fit of the coat, and his face was all lines and furrows instead of smiles and jollity. And the transition from aristocratic coachman to airport cab driver is complete. The spirit of the fraternity had passed away from him. He was the stage coachman only in dress. He walked backwards and forwards for some time without turning his head one way or the other, except now and then to peer into the deserted stable, or to glance mournfully at the whip he held in his hand. At last the sound of the arrival of a train struck upon his ear. He drew himself up to his full height, slowly and solemnly shook his clenched fist in the direction of the sound, and looked. Oh, that look. I can't believe that train cheated on me. Oh. Probably something about the size of the caboose, right? <laughs> Think of that, or uh, the speed it goes through the tunnel. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Good. You played straight, Sean. Yeah, keep us classy. Yeah, keep us classy. Come on. It spoke annihilation to the mightiest engine upon the rail. It scoffed at steam and flashed furious derision at the largest terminus that ever was erected. It was an awfully comprehensive look. Concentrated essence of the fierce and deadly enmity of all the stagecoachmen in England to steam conveyance. Yeah, it uh, seems pretty comprehensive. Uh, several omnibus editions worth of sentiment in that one look. Maybe overinterpreting just a tad there, Wilkie. It was a look, though. I mean, you got, you can. Roxette knew how to interpret a lot <laughs> in one look, Rob. So. Oh, Roxette fan oh, with Collins. <laughs> yeah, I believe he originally was the one who wrote about turning brown eyes so blue. No, that was Crystal Gale. <laughs> but they're they're all good writers in their own right. I was not anticipating Roxette jokes, and I could not be more delighted. I had to <laughs> You know who'd be more delighted? Roxette. <laughs> Oh, man. What? <laughs> On a podcast? Really? <laughs> cool, man. How old are the guys that do the podcast, I wonder? <laughs> We're millennials. I swear. <laughs> hey, we've been alive since the millennium. Yes. we. That counts. Are we not all millennials? <laughs> I could go for the avocado toast. To my utter astonishment, not it must be owned unmixed with fear, he suddenly turned his eyes toward my place of shelter and walked up to me. That's the Ryo, said he between his set teeth. It is, said I, considerably embarrassed. Damn it, returned the excited stage coachman. I know about it, buddy. I'm actually a Bob and Dennis who believes in the Lamachian theory of inherited acquired characteristics, and I can't get enough nutmeg. It's, it's been a rough century. <laughs> People say I talk funny, too. 
That's a that's a northern accent, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been up north, Manchester. I think I hear a little bit in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm from fucking Edinburgh. You know, it's like they ain't never been to Edinburgh. <laughs> Hey, you got any of that Worcestershire? <laughs> hey, 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 no, 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 no. Marie, Marie, bring us the bangers and mash. Marie, come on. I got guests here. Jeez. <clears throat> there was something inexpressibly awful about this execration, and I confess I felt a strong internal conviction that the next day's paper would teem with horrible railway accidents in every column. I did my utmost to oppose him said the stagecoachman in softened accents. I was... How is that softened accents? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Sean, we got this. We got this, man. Yeah. yeah. No. <clears throat> pardon me. No, no, no. Please. No, no. Please. <laughs> please. No, I meant pardon the throat clearing. Uh, the joke stays. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Apologize for the right thing, damn it. Sean, a bit pushy. Other guests, fine. I'm just saying, Alan, there should be two columns, pros and cons, okay? How else are we going to weigh? I was the last that gave in. I kept losing day after day, and yet I walked on. I was determined to do my duty. I drove a coach the last day with an old human in a garpet bag inside, and three little boys and seven whopping empty portmanteaus outside. I'd like to point out, I think what they're saying is, it, it looks like who-man. I think they meant woman, but they spelled it kind of like a sub-alien goblin, Ferengi would say. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the the early ones in Star Trek that would embarrass yeah. the other Ferengi who are like, come on, man, stop talking about the human lady ears. I'm trying to put together a business deal here. You you humans clothe your females? Hey, they're not going to sign if they think we're going to steal their firstborn babies in the night, Farrick. <sighs> but rule 24 of acquisition. No, okay, yeah, year over year profitability is way down. We're going to have to make cutbacks in the grin creepily behind their backs division. is It's one of the low liars. I, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do, Farrick. <laughs> Do, do I get to keep the whip? It's company property. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Fer. <laughs> I had to pay for this uniform. Damn it. Uh, yeah, we're going to need the gold press latinum that you put on deposit back. <laughs> That's all I have, the deposit man. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, that's from, from, from our uh, forthcoming kitchen sink drama about the Ferengi. Yep. <laughs> uh, death of a, a hollow. Where's that air horn? <laughs> <laughs> I was determined my last kick to have some passengers to show to the rail, so I took my wife and children. As nobody else wouldn't go, and then we got in. As ever, the last time I was on the road... I didn't go and showed him an empty coach. It wasn't full, but it wasn't empty. It was game to the last. Truly, what an honorable and respectable and yet very difficult to understand breed was the coachman. I believe the proper word for it was unintelligible. A grim smile of triumph lit up the features of the deposed coachman. Coachman? What is a coachman? Uh, he's a descendant of the unintelligible class. <laughs> <laughs> the unintelligent Nobel Prize winners? Yes, Rob. Yes. A grim smile of triumph lit up the features of the deposed coachman as he gave vent to this assertion. 
He took hold of me by the buttonhole Whoa. and led the way into... <laughs> this got saucy fast. <laughs> well, you did ask me to stay away from the horses. I know. I, I, Roxette doesn't want to be associated with this anymore. <laughs> he took hold of me by the buttonhole and led the way into the house. This landlord was an austerious sort of man, said he. He used to observe the only Western Railway Committee would dine at his house. He'd poison a molly and emigrate. And he'd have done it, too. And I see you've put down here your reason for wanting to become a citizen of Sealand as... No extradition, and it's in the middle of the ocean where no railroad could go. Huh, oh, no. <laughs> you had me at no extradition. Now, uh, would you like to be a baron? Because that's going to cost extra Ethereum coins. I only have Ripple coins, sorry. <laughs> get out. <laughs> yes, you'll have to get on the boat. Yeah, okay, you can wait till the next boat, it's fine. I did not venture to doubt this, so the stagecoachman continued. I smoke my pipe by the oar together in that fireplace. I've read the times and advertisements and police reports in that box till I fell asleep. I've walked up and down this here room saying all sorts of things about the rail and a bustin' for happiness. Outside this weary door, I've been a drowned in thankies from ladies for never letting nobody step through their band boxes. The chambermaids used to smile, and the dogs used to bark whenever I came. Sean, what kind of fantasy land is this, okay? And let's be clear, this is not a one-sided change to the hospitality industry. I've had Grubhub drivers get pissed because I put a 20% tip on the credit card instead of cash. Hey, you know, next time I'll have a, a visitor that laughs. It's not a problem. <laughs> I'll just, I oh, forgot to put that in the ad. Hmm. Oh, will you really? Hmm. Listen, fellas, if I had the foresight to get cash from the ATM, I would have had the foresight not to be ordering a KFC Famous Bowl delivered to my house. But how am I going to spend this receipt here? <laughs> it's, you go to the Ripple Coin vendor. Oh, yeah, that, that guy in Indonesia? It's only available in Sealand, Ron. <laughs> sure, it's trustworthy. <laughs> well, it's all over now. That poor fella has kept his place, take his tickets at the station, and the chambermaids make scalding hot tea behind this mahogany counter for people who has no time to drink it in. As the stagecoachman uttered these words, a contemptuous sneer puckered his sallow cheek. He led me back into the yard, the ruined appearance of which looked doubly mournful, under the faint rays of the moonlight that every here and there stole through the dilapidated walls of the stable. An owl had taken up his abode where the chief ostler's bedroom had once rejoiced in the grotesque majesty of huge portraits of every winner of every derby since the first days of Epsom. That thar's the young filly inevitable change who won in fourteen. That's all things must pass. A gorgeous Shetland. <laughs> Get another job, stupid. A wonderful picture of a lightning fast bay. Mm -hmm. And that's unbeatable irony, whose heart gave out trying to outrun a steam locomotive, accidentally entered into the Grosvenor Gold Cup at Chester. <laughs> Some say the train's <laughs> jockey had a feeling something was strange, but it could never be proven. <laughs> they juiced that boiler, damn it. <laughs> the bird of night flew heavily off at our approach, and my companion pointed gloomily up to the fragments of moldy, worm-eaten wood, the last relics of the stable loft. It was a great friend of mine, was that Osler? said the coachman. But he's left this railway bothered world. He was finished by the train. 
At my earnest entreaty to hear further, he continued, When this old place was gov up and ruinated, the ostlers had never looked at the rail before or went down to have a sight of it, and as he was leaning his elbows on the wall and wishing us how he had had the stabling of all the steam engines, he'd have done him justice. What shall he see? But one of his horses as was thrown out by employ... Oh, freaking... I'm gonna get there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Sorry, no, they're right next Dick to each move, other. Dick move, they're right <laughs> next to each other. That's and also pedal the odd shot. <laughs> Three minutes. That's penalty. just that's just a yellow card. Alan, you do the next paragraph. <laughs> How many fouls is that for me? <laughs> <laughs> what should he see? But one of his horses as was thrown out of employ by the rail, walking along just where the train was coming. I know there's a horse in danger, but I, I would like to get everyone's opinion on what an ostler would do for a steam engine. Make it oatmeal. Uh, no, I don't think that's... What, no? no? I, I understand this profession very badly, though. Okay. <laughs> Pretty sure he'd tie it to the post when they got where they were going, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you don't want the train wandering off. I get it. Someone's got to do it. I hear that train coming. Coming around the boom. <laughs> Tying it to a post now. Getting drunk with my friends. Uh, yeah, that was a powerful statement by Johnny Cash. <laughs> a true poet. An American poet. Just like Roxette. Were they French? <laughs> what were they? They were Swedish, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why they had all those na 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 nas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you wouldn't believe how dirty that is in Swedish, too. Hey, I've I've got Swedish listeners, you know. Do you? At least like two. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, you got listeners? That's a spicy a meatball. That's that's Sweden, right? Sean, that's, none of this is going in. We've maybe got two minutes of material since the theme song started playing. So. Bill jumped down, and as he was laying them off. He comes up the train and went over his leg and cut the arse in two. Whoa, Sean, no, whoa, 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 you? Sean, what? Sean, we invite time. you on Ow. the show wow. and you uh, kill a very sexy horse in front I of mean, us? I mean, it was coquettish. It, uh, it, it was softened the blow a little bit. Wow. I thought you had a conscience. Wow, jeez. Oh, wow, I don't know. If Story <laughs> of your and yours bloody horses. Jesus. <laughs> I know. Please. Listen, guys, I'm doing you a favor by giving you the news directly like this. <laughs> Tell it like it is. Damn Break it, it mean, gently, huh? And while we're talking about this, remember uh, your uh, dog, Gerard? No, no. Well, he's not what? up at the farm upstate. Whoa, my God. It's, it, oh, it's downstate. That's right. My parents oh. took it to Utica. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Come on now. Utica. Well, for You'd have to be in Watertown to call Utica downstate, Rob. <laughs> Come on. Freaking prisoners at Danamora don't even know. <laughs> It's not Binghamton. No, no. It's not. How many uh, listeners do we have in upstate New York, Rob? Because they're What's loving it? it. It's one section of upstate. Forget Sweden. <laughs> uh, we got Nick, right? Nick, the epic film guy. Shout out to Nick. Oh, that's right. He's up there. Hey, Nick. This five-minute segment's for you. It's for you. Tom, says he to me when we picked him up, I'm going 11 mile an hour to the last stage as is left of me to do. I've always done my duty with the horses. I've been and done it now. Bury that here poor horse and let me off the noise of the rail. We got the surgeons to him, but he never spoke no more. Poor Bill. Poor Bill. This last recollection seemed too much for the stagecoachman, 
He wrung my hand and walked abruptly to the furthest corner of the yard. I took care not to interrupt him and watched him carefully from a distance. Do you hear that, guys? Don't interrupt. <laughs> what? That's... I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. Um, hey, your advice on how our show could be better is duly noted, does Sean? Yeah, let's... Um, again. No, I think he's right about that one, Rob. Fair enough. Fair enough. At first... And another thing I don't like about Sean... Well, never mind. He can go on. Go on, Sean. Yeah, go on. Oh, we'll talk right. about it after. At first, the one expression of his countenance was melancholy, but by degrees, other thoughts came crowding from his mind and mantled on his woebegone visage. Poor fellow, I could see that he was again in imagination the beloved of the ladies and adored of the chambermaids, a faint reflection of the affable yet majestic demeanor required by his calling, flitted occasionally over his pinched, attenuated features, and brightened the cold, melancholy expression of his countenance. Oh, how I miss those titillating days of youth when I was asked to consult on HBO's handsome cab confessions. Oh, I saw many a petticoat and shift in my days, I did. <laughs> what, what? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Pip-pips? Just like how I imagined it. <laughs> As I still looked, it grew darker and darker, yet the face of the stagecoachman was never for an instant hidden from me. The same artificial expression of pleasure characterized its lineaments as before. Suddenly I heard a strange, unnatural noise in the air. Now it seemed like the distant trampling of horses, and now again like the rumbling of a heavily laden coach along a public road. This is some great foreshadowing. I'm at the edge of my stagecoach, <laughs> wondering what could be coming down that road. <laughs> You know, Wilkie Collins was the M. Night Shyamalan of his day with the twists. <laughs> was at the he? End of the story. Well, you'll see. You'll find out soon. Uh, so this is signs period then, huh? <laughs> That's right. A faint, sickly light spread itself over that part of the heavens whence the sounds proceeded. And after an interval, a fully equipped stagecoach appeared in the clouds, with a railway director strapped fast to each wheel and a stoker between the teeth of each of the four horses. In place of luggage, fragments of broken steam carriages and red carpet bags filled with other mementos of railway accidents occupy the roof. Oh, that's festive. Yeah, you got, you got it all decorated for the the season, I guess. Yeah, it's a nice collection of uh, bones. Um, yeah. The bones look nice. Yeah, and uh, the gore, a little much, a little much. Chance passengers appeared to be the only tenants of the outside places. In front sat Julius Caesar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? Wait, yeah. what? Right? Well, where else would he sit? <laughs> okay, good boy. Guys, come on. <laughs> when you've got the emperor on board, he yeah. gets, the, he gets shot. Who else moved back? That's right. <laughs> Who else we got, Sean? <laughs> yeah, in front, I mean, he surely wouldn't be sitting alone. Who other famous people that everybody knows would be sitting next to Julius Caesar? Just you wait. And Mrs. Hannah Moore. Oh, mm -hmm. Mandy's mom. <laughs> and behind, Sir Joseph Banks. Up oh, for Mary Poppins. Yep. Uh, and my shoes. <laughs> and Mrs. Brownrig. What? Uh. What exactly is this list supposed to represent? Okay. 
Um, I, it can't be people who died in railway road accidents because we've got Julius Caesar. Um, well, I think you could you could you could read that one a little bit better, Rob. I'm not going to step on your toes here, but come on now. Wait, 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 what is this list supposed to represent exactly? I I think we could rule out Julius Caesar. Uh, so it wasn't people who all. I think you could rule out them dying in a railroad accident. <laughs> look, with, with look, the addition of Julius, you can write this shit, Alan. You sure okay. as can't say it. <laughs> Rob Dark Fasticus wobbled into the distance. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! This guy's name is Dooku. He pulled his flazer <laughs> sword. Really? You're going with Dooku? You know I don't like people thinking we wrote this ahead of time, Rob. <laughs> this is a, this part we one hundred percent improv podcast, right? Especially the reading part. That's totally improv too. The stories made up as we go along. By the way. Wilkie Collins wished he could have written a story like this. Sean, thank you so much for putting this together on short notice, just off the top of your head. We're doing Wilkie Collins a favor here. Thank you, Sean. Oh, man. Thank you. It's kind of, it's just like we improv it earlier, right? With the, uh, you know, it was like the improv circle and, you know. Yeah. Julius Caesar, Hannah Moore, uh, Clara Barton, Bruno Mars. Flo, the progressive lady, they were all there. All your favorites. <laughs> you were there, and you were there. Oh, my. Of all the insides, I could, I grieve to say, see nothing. On the box was a little man with fuzzy hair and large iron-gray whiskers, clothed in a coat of engineer's skin, with gloves uh, of the hide of uh, railway uh, police. Uh, <laughs> uh, wait. What part two? Uh, Mr. Collins, one last small communication from me, Douglas Gerald, still editor of the Illuminated Magazine for now. Uh, are you suggesting that the coachman is quite literally wearing the flayed skin of ordinary people who work upon the railroads to provide for their families and that your knowledge of... I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, human leather work is extensive <laughs> enough that you recognized it as such from a significant distance and thought it a detail that our audience would undoubtedly want shared with them. Uh, I think it speaks to the human condition. Uh, I think it speaks to your future condition in a jail. <laughs> Stagecoachman was the uh, contemporary of Ramsey and Roose Bolton, little known fact. <laughs> you know what? Let me just say, Ramsey Bolton not quite as scary when you watch the Motley Crew biopic. <laughs> okay? Because when he's playing the guitarist from Motley Crew, you're like, I oh, wait, I bet he didn't really skin those people alive. That was just television. Uh, How could he? He's drunk and taking heroin all the time. He, he wouldn't have time to do that. At the very least, he would have had to outsource it. Yeah, exactly. If there's anyone who could have found a way to do it, it would be Ramsey. And don't get me started on the British show Misfits. I, I thought it was about the uh, other band in Gem and the Holograms, and I was very disappointed. Very. Uh, they opened for Roxette, I believe. Yeah. Back in the day. 
It was a big. It was a huge concert. It was. It was rock set. It was oh, the Partridge, the family. Misfits, Motley Crue, Chris DeBerg, uh, <laughs> the singing Lady in Red all night. Boy, boy, that Motley Crue. They loved it. That oh, crowd. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ernie Hudson was there. He didn't Wait, sing. What? He was just there. Uh, it was a hell of a show. Hell Julius of a show. Caesar. He came up. Boy, the audience couldn't stop clapping. Hannah Moore flashed everybody at least once. I'm sorry, Sean. I'm so, so, so sorry. He pulled up opposite my friend and, bowing profoundly, motioned him to the box seat. A gleam of unutterable joy irradiated the stagecoachman's countenance as he stepped lightly into his place, seized the reins, and with one hearty good night addressed to an imaginary inn full of people, started the horses. Off they drove, my friend in the plenitude of his satisfaction cracking the whip every instant as he drove the phantom coach into the air. And amidst the shrieks of the railway directors at the wheel, the groans of James Watt, the bugle of the guard, and the tremendous cursing of the invisible insides, fast and furiously disappeared from my eyes. Vin Diesel showed up? <laughs> That's not. Are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah. A prequel. He didn't get along with the stage coachman, so they had to spin the stage coachman off into his own series. You know, it's better. They get to make twice the money and they don't have to talk to each other. It's fantastic. <laughs> Candy asses. The end. What a story. I I got to admit, guys, did not expect the ending to be a man riding off in a ghost carriage filled with uh, disgusting bones and viscera. Telling you, Wil- Wilkie Collins, contemporary of M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's Stephen King, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me ask Sean, since you were uh, gracious enough to read this uh, story for us, what, what did you think of the story? What do you think maybe the moral of the story was? Oh, the moral of the story is that we need more stagecoachmen and fewer steam engines. Yeah, I agree. We need more stagecoachmen. We need more flayed skin. We need more sexy horses. Sean Ennis is 100% absolutely right about that. Yes, please, everybody, go on Twitter and say, Sean, thank you for finally expressing the sexiness of horses in the way that I've always wanted to. So everybody, just go out there and do it. Uh, Rob, what did you think the moral was? I think the moral of the story is if you're going to uh, imagine or have this uh, illusion of a very famous uh, coach coming down from the sky and filled with the most amazing people of all time, you know, just forget Jesus, forget Buddha, forget Aristotle. <laughs> you know, you just really, really want a good crew of Julius Caesar, Hannah Moore, and two other people I've already forgotten. <laughs> Great. Well, if I had to say what the moral was, I'd say we've already had two morals. I'm done. I'm out of here. Oh, where's that party pal sound? Oh, no. Hey, it's time to party, people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
think that's going to wrap it up for uh, this week's episode. We'd like to give special thanks to our very special guest reader, Sean. And uh, Sean, you, for all the humiliation we've put you through, you deserve to uh, tell people about your podcast and uh, where they can find it. Well, sure. Thank you. Uh, the show is called Stories of Your and Yours. That's uh, The first your is Y-O-R-E. Second your, second your is, is Y-O-U-R-S. The I'm third one of... is uh, Y-O-R, your hunter of the future. Um, available now at your local blockbuster. Mind you, I graduated in marketing, so, uh, <laughs> so you can see you can me. see how well that degree is done for uh, me. To, this show is called Tale Interrupted, T A L E. So you know we got a little bit of comment there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is why we're taking your advice not to interrupt our stories to heart. <laughs> From now on, we're just reading. Straight on coming for you, Sean. We're going to compete it's, directly. It's, all, it's just going to be called Tales. <laughs> uh, so you can find the show on social media at SYY Podcast. That's everywhere. Uh, any kind of social media besides Friendster. I'm not there anymore. Um, and <clears throat> I believe this week, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if my scheduling is correct, uh, this week I'll have a couple of stories by Anton Chekhov, which is uh, the okay. first time I've featured him on the show. Fancy. Um, he wrote about seagulls and shit. He did. Can we talk about his gun, or do we have to do another episode? <laughs> oh, I, we, Alan, we said no more dirty jokes. Come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> hey, let me say, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Your show is ten times the quality of ours. There's effects. There's wonderful accents. It's in your beautiful speaking voice. You know, and I've said this before, uh, my favorite episode, the Guy de Montpassant, just fabulous stories, fabulously told. Thank you for being on this show. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I, I've, I've had a great time doing the show. Um, I'm glad we did this. Really glad we did this. Um, and uh, thank you guys for having me. And uh, thanks for the kind words. I I, uh, I know I, I do enjoy doing the French accent. So the uh, the Guy de Maupassant was was pretty fun. It was a, was a fun one. I, I like the French guy and the Little Mermaid. Yeah, he's good too, Rob. Uh, well, everybody, please uh, follow Sean at SYY Podcast, right? Uh, that's Twitter. It. And uh, please uh, subscribe and review uh, the stories of your and yours podcast. And uh, we also hope that everybody enjoys this particular podcast and uh sean we'd like to have you close our episode i would be honored folks make sure you tune in next time for another interrupted tale I, i'd also like to thank sean for killing a horse on our show i don't believe yeah. that's happened before now needless and cruel so bravo. please send your hate mail to stories of your and yours thank yeah, you Yeah, well done really really uh, more dead horse stories on your podcast. Absolutely. Me. The horse had it coming and more do too. <laughs>